City First Church, how are you guys doing? I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm super excited and honored and privileged to be with you guys this weekend. There's one thing I'm not happy about, and it's that we're not physically together yet. And that is the faith statement, right? Yet. I believe sooner than later, we're all going to get to be together again. There's these moments uh, in scripture where the apostle Paul, he's writing letters to the church pastorally, and he'll stop in, in the beginning or at the end, and he'll say something like, man, how I long to be with you guys. And I usually read right over that, but this is the first season in the church as a pastor where I actually understand what he's saying, man. City First, I would kill to be with you guys physically this weekend, shaking hands, praying together, laughing together, giving each other some hugs on the way in and the way out. But I'm believing the next time I get to be with you guys, that's what's going to happen. In the meantime, though, here's the good thing. The gospel is not bound by us being physically in the same room together, right? The power of God through his Holy Spirit is everywhere. So we are going to have an incredible, incredible weekend. Why? We have the best news on planet Earth. And so I'm going to jump, if you guys will let me, I'm going to jump right into that news. There's a passage of scripture that is one of, I think, the most important in all of scripture. In fact, no matter what topic I'm preaching on, no matter what uh, subject matter I happen to have the privilege to preach on, I always filter it through this statement. And it's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, it is for freedom, city first, that Christ set you free, period. No balancing statements. No like, yeah, buts. And this is the beauty of the gospel. It is this simple, which is God just wants you to have your freedom back. When that apple was eaten in the Garden of Eden, the first and most fundamental thing we as humans lost that we were designed for was, was ready for this? Freedom. Why did Christ come back ultimately and do all of the amazing grace-filled things he did? It is just to restore freedom back. I love this. There's, there's, there's no, there's no uh, ulterior motive here with Jesus. There's no like quid pro quo. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. It's just simply for freedom that Christ did all of that finished work on the cross, death, burial, resurrection. Why? So you can be free again. Now, Paul goes on to say something really important. Here's where Paul uh, says, here's where we get invited into that good news. Here's where we get to live out the gospel. He says, since you are now free in Christ, here's the role you get to play. Stand firm, city first. And then he uses some really interesting language. He says, and do not let yourselves be burdened again. He's using Exodus language. He says, do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. There were some, some, some really bad dudes, some wolves in sheep's clothing that were trying to creep into the church in Galatia. And they were trying to reinstill the old covenant law as part of the means of salvation. They were trying to take away from the beauty of the cross by saying, okay, Jesus, whatever. But you also need to be circumcised. You also need to go back to these Old Testament Jewish rites if you really want salvation. And Paul, man, as their pastor, he's not having it. He says, no, 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 no. You were set fully free in Christ through the cross, period. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And Paul recognized what these wolves in sheep clothing were trying to do because this is what they always trying to do. Try and do. They were trying to bring fear into their space. They were trying to bring fear into the gospel. They were trying to reinstill this, this false and abusive sense of fear. And Paul says, no, 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 don't do that because fear will have you bound again 
by the yoke of slavery. And I wrote here in my notes, and it'll come up on your screens at home. Fear is the great slave driver of the human soul. You understand that? Fear is the ultimate currency of the kingdom of hell. We know in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of Jesus, right? That faith is the ultimate form of currency. Well, the ultimate form of currency in the kingdom of hell, which is trying to attack you and steal from you and destroy from you is what? It's fear. So we're going to talk about fear. Fear is the greatest firewall against you and God's purpose for you. So I want to do this before we continue. I just real quick want to pray a blessing over the rest of this message. Heavenly Father, would you meet us right now in our homes and at work or at the gym, wherever people are listening to this, within the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, would you meet us in your holy word and in this holy moment, and would you do something so redemptive and so beautiful? It's in your name we pray, Jesus. And everyone at home said, yeah, amen. So I, in my home, have an office. And in my office, this picture usually sits on the wall that pretty much every day I sit there and I stare at. And the reason I stare at it is because this for me is a picture of accountability. I had a friend after I preached a message similar to this, draw this up for me and then paint this for me. As you can see, it's a picture of a buffalo and he's looking this way. But behind him and what he's about to head into, as you can see, is an incredible storm, right? And the reason I had him paint this for me is about three or four years ago, I read an article about the migratory instincts of herd animals, specifically the buffalo. And we're going to use that language throughout this message, the migratory instincts of a buffalo, because I'm going to make the case that the migratory instinct of a buffalo is the same instinct you and I are called to have as Christ followers. So this article was basically saying this, that uh, the buffalo, unlike sheep and unlike cows and unlike goats and even elk and horses even, have a completely different instinct when storms come. They do something totally different. Now let's talk about storms real fast because the word of God makes it explicitly clear that in this lifetime, storms are inevitable. With storms, it's not if, right? It's, it's when. It's not if, it's when. Jesus alone in just one statement in John 16 says this, in this world, you will have trouble. He says, but be of good cheer, city first, because I've overcome the world. Okay, now here's the instincts of, of, of most herd animals when a storm comes. They smell it because they've got better noses than us, and they turn in the opposite direction of where the storm is, much like this buffalo here is tempted to do. They turn in the opposite direction of the storm, and they wind their little way out of there, like, and I know that had to be like, like, if you think that was weird at home, it's really weird for me to do that. That was my best impression though, right? They whine and they cry while they're doing this, get this city first, while they're running in the opposite direction of the storm. And, and I, would, I would submit to you guys that not only is that the most base instinct of the average herd animal, I think that's the most base instinct of us humans. I don't think it's God's instinct. I don't think it's the appropriate migratory instinct that we were originally designed for. But I think because of this thing called fear, when the storms of life come, 
We are so tempted to look in the opposite direction and start heading away from it, start trying to outrun it, to outpace the storms of life. But can I give you some bad news so I can give you some really good news? Here's the bad news. This is just science. Humans aren't faster than weather patterns. <laughs> and the same is true with storms of life, difficulties in life. You can't outrun storms. You're not faster than storms. Are you ready for the good news though? Because this is really good news. Well, you're not faster than storms. You are stronger than storms. The apostle John, he put it this way in one of his writings. He said this, he said, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. The apostle Paul put it in one of his writings. He said this, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead city first now lives in you, right? So you can't outrun storms, but you are stronger than storms, which is what makes the Buffalo so special. And why I have this up in my office that I stare at every day, because the migratory instinct of the Buffalo is to do this. When that storm comes, it doesn't look this way. It starts to turn that way and it plants and it braces with all of its might, all of its strength. And it just starts running towards the storm. Why? Why wouldn't you do that, right? Like, think about it. The buffalo, when it, when it runs towards the storm, listen to me, it's going to get as wet as the other animals do running away from it. It's going to be as tired and worn out as the other animals that run away. It's going to be as sore and to some degree maybe even traumatized through that storm as the rest of the animals. But do you know what the difference is? If you can't outrun the storm, why not expend your energy when the storms of life come confronting it head on? Because the, the cows and the sheep and the goats, the, the sad part of the story for them is when that storm finally catches them and blows past them, they just lost a bunch of ground, right? And this is what fear does. It takes ground from us. This is why it's the enemy's chief currency is because nothing will cause you to lose ground more than when you retreat from the storms of life, thinking you can control them or outrun them. And then all of a sudden, those storms eventually, like they always do, see this little light that the artist painted for me here? I'd like to think that the buffalo fixates on the light to do things scared, to not let fear get in the way, to, to run into his fears instead of away from him. I'd like to think that he's got this thing in his brain where he fixates on the light where the rest of the herd animals just get so caught up in all of this because it dominates the picture, right? that they miss out on, hey, if I can just run through this because I'm stronger than it. I've got light on the other side, right? And, and, and listen to me, as believers, if we can get this, this is what Jesus in his freedom is reinstilling back to us is this courage. Because see, fear says avoid, fear says run away, fear says just bury your head in the proverbial sand and, and act like there's not really a problem. But courage, you know what courage and faith says? It says, no, confront. It says, step into it because you can't outrun it. So you might as well run through it because although you're not faster than storms, you're stronger than st storms. And that's the message. I love what Ralph Waldo Emerson says in one of his writings. He says, in skating over thin ice, our safety is in our speed. I'm going to say that again, and it's going to come up on your screens at home as you're watching this, because this is profound in its simplicity. In skating over thin ice, your safety is actually in your speed. See that instinct? 
It's counterintuitive, but it's real. See, if you walk over thin ice hoping that it doesn't buckle under you and you, you drowned in freezing water, if you're, if you're like, my, my, my instinct is this. My instinct is, oh, dear Lord, oh, Jesus, please no. Oh, please no. God, please no. I don't want to drown today, right? And you go real slow. The problem, though, is the slower you go over that ice, the more weight and pressure you're putting on each step, which gives you a way greater chance of drowning. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he knows what he's saying. He's going, your safety over thin ice, difficulties, storms, is actually in your speed, your confidence. You're confronting it. You're, you're heading right into it. You tiptoe around problems. Fear starts to creep in. And what? That's when things break through. And so I want to do this with the rest of the time I have. I want to go to a quintessential passage of Scripture. And I was hoping to have a, a more obscure passage to make the point so, so I could sound deeper or something. But I, I just kept coming back to Joshua chapter 1. I think it is the quintessential passage when it comes to principles about how we as believers are supposed to deal with fear and God's role in it and our role in it. And so I'll just give you a really quick backdrop so that we know what's happening here before we read about nine verses. Joshua is about to take a whole nation into what we call the promised land. It's got a name. It's called Canaan. Now, Joshua just got a new position. He had been the mentee of a five-star general in the kingdom named Moses, right? And, and Moses had done this incredible, like, salvific work with the nation of Israel on behalf of God, where he, you know, he put that stick down and it parted the seas, and they walked through the seas, and the seas closed up on Pharaoh and the enemies, in Exodus, which is this great picture of our salvation. And then they spend a whole bunch of time redefining their identity from being uh, slaves for 430 years. They sit in the desert for 40 years. And the whole purpose, although I don't think it needed to be 40 years, but that's another sermon for another week. But the whole purpose of the desert, and the same is true for you and I, was to reframe their thinking, renewing their minds, getting that slave mentality out and getting that freedom mentality in. But every time they got scared, you want to know what they wanted to do in Exodus? Go back to being slaves. Now think of what Paul says in Galatians 5. It's for freedom Christ set you free. Do not be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. But every time storms came, proverbial storms came, here's what Israel wanted to do. They wanted to retreat back to slavery. And that's, that's the lie that fear tells us, city first. But after 40 years, they're finally on the precipice of a new degree of freedom, which is what God wanted for them all along. They're on the precipice of it. They're about to enter the promised land where we're about to pick up and read. And so God has to stop and he has to have an audible conversation with his leader, Joshua. And the whole conversation is about this. It's about confronting fear, right? And, and, and here's why. Fear always gets the loudest when freedom is the closest. Fear always gets the loudest city first when freedom gets the closest. Can I just encourage some of you real quick? Like, like some of you right now, you are in a storm. And you are currently, no guilt, no condemnation, but so fixated on the overwhelming nature of the storm and are having so much trouble knowing that there is a light at the end of that storm and that you are stronger than that storm. And the voices of fear are just coming at you in life right now. Can I just tell you with my whole heart and encourage you that when freedom is the closest, fear gets the loudest. 
I've always said this about fear. Fear is an unintended compliment from hell. Because we know Jesus said that the enemy wants to kill, kill you, steal from you, destroy you. And so when the voices of fear are picking up, and for some of you at City First right now, that's your story right now. You're just overwhelmed with discouragement and fear. And you're wanting to retreat or bury your head in the sand or avoid the problems or numb them. But can I tell you, when you're feeling that the strongest, you are closer to freedom than you think because it is for freedom that Christ set you free. And so they're about to take over the land. And this is the conversation. We can learn so much. The conversation God has with Joshua. Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's aide, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them to the Israelites. Now, I want to start counting the promises of God here because this matters when it comes to fear. Promise number one, God says audibly to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses. Promise number two, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Promise number three, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Promise number four, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Promise number five, and the most famous of them all, but listen to this because this still applies to us today. God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Okay, now we'll stop there for just a second. If I'm Joshua and I'm getting an audible voice from God and it is just ripe with promise after promise after promise after promise, you would think he'd start to have a little bit of swag, right? Like he, he would start to be getting a, a, a little cocky because it's like we don't even need to go in there and do anything, right, for our freedom because God's already promised it. We don't need swords. We don't need, like, right, it's just ours. But you guys have heard it said before, right? Freedom is never free. It always asks something of us. And in this case, what God is going to tell Joshua, it's going to ask of him for these promises to be fulfilled is exactly what he tells us for the promise in our life to be fulfilled. And it's this, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Isn't that interesting? In the midst of all of those five amazing promises God gives to Israel and to Joshua, God knows that there's still a real enemy. And God knows that the enemy's chief currency, the great slave driver of the human soul is what? It's fear. And so God looks at him and says, Josh, Joshua, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. You're going to have to have that buffalo spirit because you're going to lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. You think the conversation would be over, <laughs> but God knows how powerful fear is, right? And so he's, he's going to double down and use even stronger language like Joshua. I, I don't know that you got it yet. Be strong. And here it is very courageous. Now here's the key with fear that hardly ever gets talked about. And it's what God says next. Please don't miss this city first. This, this principle is essential to freedom in your life. He says, be careful. Think about it. Be courageous. What's the next word? Be careful. Those, those two things don't usually go together, right? We don't typically assume the most courageous, risk-taking people think about being careful, right? But, but in God's kingdom, 
being courageous is synonymous with also, watch this, being careful. He says, Joshua, if you're going to be courageous, you have to do this because this stirs up courage in the kingdom. You have to be careful to obey. Uh Uh-oh, inconvenient word, but authentic, godly, kingdom courage always is energized and infused by obedience. He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. He says, Joshua, listen to me. Keep the book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be, and here's the word again, careful to do everything written in it. Why? Then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. Courage in the kingdom of God is synonymous with being careful. What we just read in those nine verses was God giving Joshua as a leader two things for the nation. And those two things still apply to you and I, City First. He's giving them, number one, protocol. But then number two, even more importantly, we read all five of them, he's given them promises. And can I just remind us this weekend that for all of the amazing, intricate things that the word of God is, this massive, divinely inspired book, for all the things it is, two of the most fundamental things it gives us is protocol and promises. Why? Because the more you understand the protocol of the kingdom of God, and the more you meditate on and fixate on the promises of God, the more this muscle of courage starts to get strengthened. This is why we don't read the word of God for legalistic purposes. We don't read the word of God to impress people. Listen, when you read the word of God, whether you read it all in a year or, or you read it more than everyone else, listen, it does not impress God. He did not give us this incredible love letter to impress anyone with or to prove anything with. The reason the word of God is so essential to your life is because it's what develops the muscle of courage so that you can walk in the freedom that you deserve to walk in. Freedom has been paid for just like it was with Joshua and the Israelites, but you still, as God says, have to stand firm. As Paul said in Galatians 5, stand firm again and don't be bound by the yoke of slavery. We have all these wildfires in in my state in Colorado right now. Please pray for us. Pray for our our firemen and firewomen, our first responders. But can I just brag on first responders for a minute? Here's what I love about first responders is they run into places that everybody else is running out of. You, you You know what first responders have? Buffalo spirit. Buffalo spirit. You know what I call first responders? And we'll, we'll talk about this more in a minute. Buffalo soldiers. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, but what I love about first responders is they are a tiny microcosm of the gospel. Because this is precisely what our Lord and Savior did for us. When he becomes Emmanuel and he subjects himself to the chaos of this world. When he was sitting on a perfectly peaceful throne. He runs right into the mess when everybody else is wanting to run away. Why? Because Jesus has the ultimate migratory instinct of the buffalo because he created that buffalo. And he created you and I to have those same courageous instincts. 
But in those, in, in those fires and, and with, with, with uh, police officers and with emergency room doctors and nurses and, and, and with EMT technicians, all of our first responders, first of all, I want to say thank you. But do you know what gives them the most courage to do what they do? Listen, they're not all uniquely courageous in ways that the rest of us aren't. That's not why all of them got into being first responders. Do you know what gives them the courage to run into places that we're all running away from? Protocol. Protocol. And this is what God is giving to Joshua is protocol and promises. They rehearse over and over these scenarios in safe spaces. So when they go into the scenarios that are actually really dangerous, there is a divine poise and calm to them that the rest of us don't have because they've been preparing for those difficulties their whole career. And this is what we as Buffalo soldiers in the kingdom of God are called to do with fear. Is, is you be so in tune with meditating on God's word day and night that when the difficulties and when the storms come, you're not shaken. Why? Because you have been rehearsing the word of God, meditating on it so that you may be successful wherever you go. And here's my definition of successful, free. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's a kingdom definition of success, free. No matter what you do in life, no matter how much you have or don't have in life, no matter which side of the tracks you live on in life, you show me someone that is free in here and I will show you someone successful. And let this Old Testament moment teach us something about how we are as New Testament believers. Your success is going to be found in fixating on the protocol and the promises of God, not when things are tough but alone in the morning in the safety and the quietness of your time with God. Every time you crack his word open and you start to lean into and stand on his promises, there is a there's a planting. There's a, 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 a holy divine courage that comes about you, just like the first responders have. They're scared like you and I are scared when they walk into difficult things, but the protocol has been their obsession so that when they get called to those moments, they can walk in with a divine poise. And listen to me, we as believers have that same ability in us. There's a awesome bit of history that I learned a couple years ago that helped play into this whole message that I'm giving you guys this weekend and this, this whole picture. There's a, a group of men in the mid-1800s, 1866 to be exact, that were given the name Buffalo Soldiers. And it was a, a 9th and 10th Infantry in the Army post-Civil War in Leavenworth, Kansas, and it was a large group, uh, an infantry of all African-American men. And just to give you a quick Cliff Notes history uh, so that we, we can make the point here, these African-American men were uh, also uh, on the back end of the Civil War. And the Native Americans got to sit that war out for the most part. Like they just got to observe. And the Native Americans know this animal. Like this is the pet of the Native Americans, right? Long before any of us were around, the Native Americans had this land and this was their ultimate animal. And the Native Americans made an observation of the African-American soldiers. There was, there was roughly 200,000 African-American soldiers in the Civil War. And they noticed, the natives did, that there was a degree of valiance. And ready for this? Courage. 
that the African-American soldiers displayed that the white man didn't. Now, this isn't a talk on race. This isn't me making all the white people at City First feel bad. I am one of you, and I don't feel one bit bad. This is me making a point, uh, going back to Galatians 5. And the, the, the African-Americans, uh, or excuse me, the Native Americans gave these Buffalo soldiers that name because two reasons. Number one, they had never seen Afros before we colonized America and African-Americans came over. They had never seen Afros and the Afros, they said that hair looked like the fur of a Buffalo. But then secondly, and way more important city first, get this, they said there is a valiance and a courage that these Buffalo soldiers had that they had never seen in warfare before. And they didn't know why, but they started to call them Buffalo soldiers. Well, we can look back in retrospect and I can tell you exactly why there was a unique degree of valiance and courage. It's because, do you know what was on the line for them that wasn't on the line for the white man? Slavery. The, the white man in the Civil War were ultimately fighting for politics, economics, for land, etc., right? Still noble causes, but, but nothing like slavery. The African-American soldiers, slavery was on the line. They were being told if they can win a war for the Union, they might not have to go back to slavery anymore. And what did the Apostle Paul say? We read it in Galatians 5. Stand firm then like a buffalo and do not be yoked again by the burden of slavery. Do you want to know why that valiance came out of those African-American soldiers that got them the name Buffalo Soldiers? It was because they didn't want to go back to slavery. And so they stood their ground in, in, in these wars in ways that were unprecedented with valiance and courage. And listen to me, City First, this is precisely what we're called to do. To dig in and in the midst of fear and in the midst of being afraid, we have the spirit of the buffalo. Just like those African-American soldiers did. We as kingdom people should be buffalo soldiers. When those storms come, do not forget, you can't outrun them, but you are stronger than them. And so I just end this message this weekend by reminding us of one of another of the most important verses in all of the New Testament. It's by the apostle John. And in 1 John 4:18, he says this, there is no fear in love. Let me bring this home to Rockford though. You remember, you remember the League of Their Own? The all ladies baseball team, where are they from? Rockford? They're the Rockford Peaches, right? Do you remember the scene where I think it's Madonna out in left field and she's bawling because of some emotional things that are going on and Tom Cruise, the alcoholic coach, comes out of the dugout and what, what, what's the famous line he says? There's no crying in baseball. And she keeps crying and he looks at her and goes, there's no crying in baseball. And I hear that tone with John. There's no fear in love. Like, what are you doing? There's no fear in love. Why? He says, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears has not yet been made perfect in love. Here's the good news in that verse. That verse almost sounds like an indictment, right? The one who fears, you're not perfect in love yet. Here's the good news of that because I'm not perfect in love yet. The good news is this city first is, is if you still fear fear every now and then, which is all of us in the sound of my voice, that means there is a degree of love and a revelation of love that God has for you and I that we still don't fully grasp. How awesome is that? That means we're still in the classroom. 
of letting God teach us and show us just how much he loves us. If you still feel fear, that means you still don't have the full human capacity to understand God's original intent and love for you. And listen to me, that is really, really good news because it simply means no matter what you're going through this weekend, you are so much more loved than you think. And listen to me, greater is he that is in you, the one who loves you more than you can even define, than he that is in this world. You are going, and I'm not minimizing what you're going through, but whatever fears you bring into this weekend, listen to me, you are going to make it. You are going to be okay. Lean in. It's okay if you're scared. Give your fear a name. We all struggle. Give the fear a name. Take some of the sting of the fear away by naming it. And then trusting, look, I'm gonna focus on the light at the end, not the magnitude of the storm that's right there in front of me right now. I'm gonna trust that on the other side of that storm, there is light and sunshine and healing and redemption and health. And so like the Buffalo City first, I'm gonna dig in. I'm gonna dig in. And I'm gonna head in the direction of the storm. City First, I love you guys. I wanna pray for you as we end this weekend. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would solidify this message. Do powerful things, Holy Spirit, through this message. Because fear is what's trying to cause us to lose so much ground in the kingdom of God. And right now, I just come against the enemy and anything he's trying to do in any home, in any household, in any mind, in anybody's body, in anybody's psyche, in anybody's uh, emotional state of being right now, anywhere that the enemy is trying to get a foothold of fear, I come against it. And God, I pray that buffalo spirit into everyone within the sound of my voice. God, thank you for your word. Solidify it in the hearts right now. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone at home said...